Hey, listen, we are wrapping up um, the series, um, this holiday field guide, this idea of, you know, how do you survive the holidays? And we talked about all kinds of things. And uh, hopefully, as you've been on the journey with us, you're figuring out, like, how do we do this better each year and out, uh, year in and out. But one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is kind of um, more serious. We're going to deal with the issues of loneliness and depression, because it's a significant issue for many of us in the room, and it's a significant issue for our culture, especially around the holidays. And so um, as we're in this Christmas story, go ahead and turn into your scripture with Luke chapter 1. We're looking at the story of Mary, and there's some things that I was, as I was reading through her story, I was kind of amazed that she had done some things in her um, journey that actually help us out in this. So if you have a Bible, um, turn to Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we will um, show some of the passages up here. But what we wanted you to do is bring the word with you. You know, we want you to engage it for yourself. We want you to learn from it, grow from it, and experience it. But if you don't have one with you, I'm going to read it for you. So here we go. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Listen to this. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, we've been talking about these people for five weeks now. So if you don't know who they are, you can listen to the messages, or you can just read it for yourself. So there, the angel shows up, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Because it's not every day you have an angel show up in your room, right? And so for her, here's a moment where this being shows up and she's a little bit troubled with the news that he's bringing. And so the angel said to her, do not be afraid, which usually does not help. But he said it anyway. <laughs> do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son you will call his name Jesus he will be great he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his king and of his kingdom there will be no end so think of this in a moment her life is changed out of nowhere, Mary is handed something that seems impossible. Handed something that seems way too big for her to deal with. And many of us are in the same situation. Now, your situation is not, I've been visited by an angel, and the Lord told me that I'm going to conceive and I'm going to give birth to a, the Messiah. Okay, that is not your story, all right? If you think that's your story, you, I got people that want to talk to you. But here, here's the reality. You have had moments in your life where you wake up one day and you have something that feels too big for you. You wake up or you show up into a season that feels like this is too much for me to carry. How many of you remember, if you have kids, how many of you remember the, six, the first six months after your firstborn child? You remember that? For nine months, somebody's walking with you. There are doctors, there are hospitals, there are teams of people, they're teaching you how to breathe. That's how involved they are. The moment you give birth, here's what happens. They essentially say, good luck, and hand you a baby. And they say, just do one thing, keep it alive. And you're like, what in the world? So for six months, you're, trying, you're not sleeping, you're trying to figure out, how in the world am I supposed to deal with this? They literally hand you something that feels impossible. This is too much for me to handle, right? For some of you, it was when your first child went to college, Right, that you handed the reins over. 
All of a sudden, you're going like, did I do good enough? Did I equip them well enough? I I hope they make good friends. I hope they connect with the right people. All of a sudden, all kinds of questions come because you enter into a season that feels way too big. How many of you have aging parents where the roles flip and you didn't see it coming? Right? For some of you, it was the day that that relationship blew up and it led to all kind of brokenness. For some of you, it was the day that you got news that you never wanted to hear. It's cancer. Or it's this or it's that, right? There are days we step into that we end up being handed something that seems way too heavy, way too big for us. Because life is going to throw all kind of situations at us, all kind of circumstances. They're coming. If you're not there yet, it's coming. And some of you are in it right now. Some of you are like, I barely got here because I'm in that season so the question is, what do you do? And we're going to focus, again, we're, we're focusing on the depression and loneliness. When, when life throws you into a season of depression, which is either accompanied by loneliness, oftentimes perpetuated by loneliness, what do we do in these seasons? If you've been paying attention and, and looking around, it seems like in our culture there's an epidemic of this you know, wave of depression coming over us, and it's not bound by our boundaries. It's worldwide. There's no age that's uh, avoiding it. There's no people group that's avoiding it. It's coming all over the place. And listen, there are a lot of statistics about this, but here's why I wanted you to do this survey. And I am almost certain that we got this thing. And so, because I, I, listen, there are a lot of statistics I could tell you those things, but who's in the room? All right, now, some of these questions were a little fun because I don't like doing unfun things, but then we get real. So first question, let's look at the survey. Here's, what's your favorite holiday of the year? 76% of you said Christmas. Got Christmas on the brain. Okay, I get that. Thanksgiving follows. But look at this. Holidays stress me out. There's a, there's a good deal of you that's like, listen, my birthday is my favorite holiday because it's all about me and I don't have to talk to people. All right? I get that. Okay, here's the second thing. The question was, you know, if Pastor Cam were to have a, a tattoo of the Christmas story, what should it be? I love this. Oh, wait. This is not it. The 52%, you know what that one was? The entire manger scene on his back. How many of you voted for that one? Real quick. Okay, I get you. All right, I'm going to give this to Cam, and I'm going to let him kind of sort through these things. Okay, now let's get a little bit more real, okay? The question was, how many of you have, how many close friends do you have in your life? None, one to two, three to four, five plus. And this is really good because, you know, 38% of you said, you know, we've got three to four really close friends in my life. You know, 24% of you said, you know, I got five, I'm, I'm surrounded by strong community. The good thing is, you know, one, you know, 33% said I've got, you know, one or two. But listen, there's a group here, a part of us, in a room filled with people that says, I don't have a single close person in my life. All right, let's keep going. How many of you have ever experienced depression? 20% of you said Yes regularly. This is, an often, this is often a struggle for me. Look at this. The red, 48% of you say, yes, I've been in that season before. Think about this. Almost three-fourths of you in this room would say, I am well acquainted with the darkness of depression. Okay? And many of us, 28%, say, I haven't, but I know people who are really close to me who have. I've seen them walk through it. And it's rare that anyone in here is like, I haven't and I don't really know people who are walking through that. Do you see why it's important for us in a room like this to go, 
How do we deal with this? How do we walk through this? And I'm going to give you a few things from Mary's story. If you, if you look back to this, and again, when we talk about depression, we're talking about mental illness. And here's the problem. Mental illness has had a stigma about it. Like it, it's this idea that mental illness equals weakness when it really mental illness equals sickness. It equals brokenness. We need, to, we need to have a different mindset about these things. If you break a bone, you go to the hospital and you get it fixed and you enter into seasons of healing. Mental illness is the same. And so we've got to be walking through this and talking through this. But look at what happens. Going back to Mary's story. When you show up with a thing that's too big for you, it feels impossible. When Mary showed up with something that felt impossible for her, what did she do? All right, I'm going to give you three things real quick. First off, here's what she did to prepare for the journey ahead, carrying this thing that felt impossible. Number one, she determined to take the next step of obedience towards God. The next step, big or small. When she was handed something huge, she just made up her mind and said, I'm just going to take whatever the next step of obedience looks like. Here's what it says. Her response when the angel says, this is your story now. This is what you're dealing with now. God has favor on you and he's given you the impossible. You're welcome. Here's what she says. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. She could have said, I don't want it. But she said, I'm a servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Number two, here's what happens. She goes and visits her aunt. Do you remember that story? She leans and runs towards relationship instead of isolating herself. Look at what happens. In those days, right after this was happening, Mary arose, went with haste to the hill country to a town in Judea, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Here's what is so crazy tragic about this. Oftentimes we do the very thing or the opposite of the very thing that we should do. When, when life throws us into one of those storms, most of the time we isolate ourselves. We say this is too hard. This is too embarrassing. Shame is telling me all kind of things about myself. Guilt is too heavy for me. And so instead of running into relationships of care and love and acceptance, we isolate ourselves because we think this is easier. This is safer. And it perpetuates brokenness. But Mary knew she can't carry this alone. So what did she do? She ran towards relationships. There's one more thing she did that I thought was amazing. She served someone else. She served someone else. Look at the end of this section in verse 56. It says, and Mary remained with her, her aunt Elizabeth, about three months and then returned home. What do you think she was doing for three months with her aunt who was advanced in years and was also in her sixth month of being pregnant? What do you think she was doing? She was massaging feet. That's what she was doing. She was like, I know, it's hard being on your feet all day. I get it. I feel those ankles. We got to get some ice on that. You know, we got to do some stuff. She was serving. She could have dwelled on her circumstances. She could have dwelled on the negative reality of, I'm about to be the girl in my small town who's pregnant without a man. She could have been dealing with and dwelling on the negative that comes with that. But instead, she looked up and said, I'm going to serve. She was probably there when John the Baptist was born because she was walking with her aunt. She said, I'm not going to dwell on the negative side of my circumstances. I'm going to serve someone else. And I think these three things are huge for us. 
When you find yourself in a season that feels impossible, you find yourself in something that feels too big to carry, man, just take the next step of obedience. Move towards people and seek to serve. Those things have a way of guiding us on this impossible journey because it keeps our eyes focused on Jesus. But I got a confession. I personally have never walked through depression. I've got friends that are really close who have, but I don't, I don't get it like some of you get it, which is why I want to introduce you to somebody who's going to share their story. This is Skylar Frazier. She's going to come on up. So please welcome Skylar Frazier as she comes. <clears throat> <clears throat> so Skylar, I wanted you to share your story because you have a perspective um, that is huge. So why don't you just kind of get, get the party started real quick okay. and, and share with us a little bit about like who you are, just in case someone doesn't know. Who are you? Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Skylar. I volunteer here on the worship team. A lot of you probably recognize me from that. Um, I'm married to Andrew Frazier, the lovely Henderson worship pastor. Um, That's some, how I refer to him as well. Yeah. He's um, the lovely. He's <laughs> lovely to me. Yeah. Um, people think, I've had people think that me and Andrew are brother and sister before. That is not the case. That so creates fun moments. let's just go clear the air there on go. that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I've been going to Compassion probably, gosh, since I was like eight years old. And Andrew and I along with Harrison and Lindsay, helped start the Statesboro campus uh, in 2013. So. There we go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. And, you know, here's what's kind of interesting. When people um, look at you leading worship and being a part of this and helping start a campus and being all these kind of things, um, I think we tend to have a picture of, man, it's perfect. Life is mm. perfect for her. I bet it just all pans out. She wakes up and the world just, you know, smiles on her. So, mm. but you've walked through some pretty significant challenges lately. Can you um, share, share what's been going on? Yeah. Um, so to set it up, before I walked through this really, really dark um, season of depression, I was always like in high school and college, I was the person who went into the room, wanted to make everybody laugh, like fun-loving, spontaneous, very outgoing. Um, so this season of depression for me was very random. Like there wasn't, there wasn't something that happened that I can look back and say, ah, uh, yeah, that's what caused mm. it. It just kind of hit me. Yeah. And it was kind of a gradual thing. Um, but instead of me like trying to explain how I felt this really was like 2018 was like a horrible, horrible year for me. Um, instead of me trying to explain it, I actually brought some of my journals with me because this is just something that I've found that's been really helpful um, during these seasons, during good and bad, tracking this stuff because of times like this, it's amazing to look back and see progress. So I'm gonna share one of my personal journal entries with you guys and you're the first one to hear this so well besides the lord he already heard it but um <laughs> so this is from april of 2018 to say it has been a rough couple of months would be an understatement i feel like i'm losing control of my emotions on friday this past week i had a horrible meltdown and was honestly afraid of the way i was feeling really scary thoughts feelings of hopelessness worthlessness empty numb I felt like people would be better off without me, which is so scary to admit feeling that way. I know this is not of God and it's from the devil. He wants me to feel these horrible things, but these feelings are exactly what Christ came to save me from. Jesus, 
please hear my plea and save me from myself. Save me from my thoughts. Help me to think about things that are pure. Take these feelings away. My heart and soul are so downcast and I can't handle these mood swings and the overwhelming weight of this depression. Heal my mind, Lord. Bring back my joy. Heal my heart, Lord. I want to be me again. Wow. So, Ma'am. that kind of sums it up. You know, yeah. sometimes I feel like when you're on, when you're on the other side of things, um, even for me, going through a year that was, I mean, that's just one of like this entire journal, every single page. This is all depression, 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 depression. Good day, bad day, good day, bad day, you know? Yeah, and right. when, you're, when you're on the other side of it, it's almost hard to look back and explain like, yeah. what was I feeling? Because yeah. there, for those of you in the room who clearly, like there's people in here that are struggling with this, like first of all, I just want you to know, you are so not alone. Like I know, I know that it feels like you are. And there were days where I would sit in my room and I would just cry. And honestly, I just was done. Like I was so done and I couldn't imagine doing the next day if it was gonna be the same as what that day had been, mm, you know? Yeah. And there were just some days where it was like, I, I really don't know that I can do this anymore. So like, if that's you out there, you are not alone. You are not alone. I've been there, and clearly there's other people in the room that are feeling the same way too, so. Yeah, and I mean, I remember you even talking about, like, you look at a load of laundry. Yeah. And you're like, that feels impossible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's just what's so crazy about this thing is, like, there's, I wish so badly that I was getting up here, and I told Harrison this, I wish so badly that I had found the answer for all of us. Like, okay, guys. <laughs> that's right. Here we go, here's the answer. I don't have it. Um, but I mean, the hope of course is in Jesus, but yeah. I remember days like where I would just stare at the dishes. I would stare at the laundry and just, and literally felt like I could not move wow. to do anything. Yeah. It's the, cra it's the yeah. craziest feeling. And unless you've been there and like felt it, it sounds crazy to people. Like I get that, I have, I've got family members you know, that have walked through it, and I've got family members that haven't. And it, it's, it's hard for people to understand, yeah. but. Well, so, so for some of us who haven't walked through it, mm -hmm. you know, and because a lot of people in the room, you, you probably have a close friend or a family member who is walking through it, and you're going like, what do you say? Mm -hmm. Like, how, help us understand a little bit more for how do we engage? How do we, what do we say with this? Yeah, so for someone who was going through depression, I think what was helpful for me was I had people who would just listen to me. Mm. We know like that there's not an answer and I don't want someone to try to give me an answer either. Like, don't tell me, just cheer up. Right. It's a bad day, That's tomorrow's right. gonna be good. It's like, yeah, yeah easy for you to say. Like, mm. every single day has felt like this, right. you know? And, um, in a book that I was reading, it gave this image, which I think was, is so helpful for people who don't understand. Um, basically summing it up, it said, telling someone that's struggling with depression to cheer up, it's gonna get better, is like telling somebody with broken legs, stand up and dance. Right, right. It's not possible, you know, it's not possible. So. In the moment for that person who's struggling, 
they want they want to get better. Like yeah. they want to do the load of laundry and have their husband come home and be like, wow, she cleaned the house. Not him come home after a 12 hour work mm -hmm. day and be like, okay, so there's no dinner. The dishes are still there right. and the laundry isn't done. Winning, like, yeah, I mean, cr she's yeah. crushing it. <laughs> yeah. um, that's right. You know, that's, well, yeah. Well, talk a little bit, okay, so talk about that a little bit more. When, what are you thinking about when you think about your husband coming home and going like, okay, what have you been doing? What's going through your mind? Yeah, so I think it's just like guilt and shame that... I want to do these things. I wanted to feel like I was being a good wife, a good friend to people. But I mean, I would even have to say no to like friend to get togethers because yeah. I like, I could not do it. And so weird because it's like, it's not me, but that's just in that season. And still there's days like that, you know, it's, it's not all like roses yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, there's still bad days. But, um, yeah. So you had an experience in Israel that kind of gave you another picture yeah. that kind of helped you see things a little bit clearly. Can yeah. you talk about that yeah, a little yeah, bit? Yeah. So about a year and a half ago, I had an awesome opportunity to go to Israel uh, with Cam and Sarah and the group here from church, and of course Andrew went too. Um, and one of the things that we did there, um, there is this water tunnel. It's called Hezekiah's Water Tunnel. And we got a picture of it here. So. The blue represents the water tunnel, obviously, and it is underground. And this is one of the things, like this is how back in these times they got water like through the city. And while we were there, now, you know, it's not used anymore, so they're empty and you can actually walk through them. And I am not super fond of tight, closed-in spaces. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like asking okay. for a panic attack. Um, but I'm like, you know what? It's Israel, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Let's do Going this. For it. <laughs> Let's yeah. do this. So I did. And I you know, went in the tunnel. It was very long. I looked. It's about 1,700 feet, I think. And I looked up how long that would take to walk because it felt like, honestly, an hour when I was in there. But it was only probably like, it was less than 10 minutes probably that I was in there. <laughs> felt like eternity. Um, when I, I got in, there were people behind me, there were people in front of me, so I couldn't sprint forward and I couldn't, I wanted I to, bail. I'm like, get out of the way. The walls were so That's tight. Right. I mean, there were parts where I was like, eh, eh, like trying to get through. Um, so like I had to keep going. Yeah. When I got in the middle, um, I remember like seriously starting to panic yeah. and my parents were actually on the trip with us too. And my dad was in front of me and I just started like verbalizing out loud. I had been keeping it in and I'm like, <laughs> okay, you guys, like how much, how much longer, how much ahead? Like I'm basically yelling at the people at the front of the tunnel. And my dad kept telling me, we're almost there, we're almost there. He didn't know, we were <laughs> not right. almost there. He was right in front of me. <laughs> he, was, right. he was seeing He's from- He's in the same black hole you he, are. We're in the yeah. same black hole, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Um, yeah. But there was a guy on the trip named Greer and he was further ahead. And I remember him yelling back at me. He's like, Skylar, you're almost there. Like, I, I see the light, we're almost there. And so I just kept pushing through. When I got out, I'm like, I did it. Like, it was a yeah, sense of right. accomplishment. Yeah. But this picture right here, yeah. So that, that is a picture of the tunnel. And that's how dark it was. And someone, I didn't take this picture, but that was taken with like a flash because it's darker than that. And <laughs> As you can see, like you don't see what's ahead at all. 
And this, this picture, I feel like a couple months after I got back from Israel, it was almost like God's gift to me, I felt like, that whole experience. Because when I got back home and was just processing through the whole trip, it's like it clicked with me one day. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this depression, this is just like the water tunnel. Yeah. I've walked into this. I'm in the middle of this. You don't know. I know I, I did when I was in the middle of that tunnel. I didn't know I had five minutes left. Do I have 30 minutes left of this walk? I didn't know. Yeah. And that's how it felt. Slap in the middle of that depression. You have no idea what's ahead. Right. And it seems like when you are there in the middle, that is it. That's what the rest of the experience is going to be. And you have no idea how long you're going to be there. Yeah. That's exactly, exactly how I felt during the thick of my depression. Right. Tomorrow's going to be the same as today. Yeah. It's never changing. Yeah. Never changing. Yeah, never changing. So I am thankful for that experience because it has given me such an amazing image in my mind. Like when I do, if I do have days, yeah. you know, that are bad, I just think back like to this. Right. And at the end of the tunnel, that is like that is actually a picture of walking out of the tunnel and you can see how dark it is. And then that light, I mean, when I found this picture, like it honestly like moved me to tears because it is just a perfect image of what my journey, I feel like has been like yeah. with depression. And the fact that I actually like literally walked through that tunnel, it just makes it even that much more special. Yeah. Um, but all, I mean, all of that to say, you know, if you're, if you're in the middle of it, and you don't know how much longer you've got. You don't know how much longer you can do it. I get it. Like, I so get it. And I'm here to tell you that you will get to the end of the tunnel. I don't know how long it might take you. It might take you months. It might take you years. This might be something that you struggle with for the rest of your life. But in our suffering, in our pain, like, that's when Christ's strength is brought out in us yeah. and uh his strength is made perfect in our weakness That's right. so boast in your weakness you know there's no shame like yeah. there should be no shame with struggling with mental illness i feel like it's got such a stigma um it's normal people clearly like you and me you know we're That's just right. trying to be at church on a wednesday night we're trying to do our jobs um many of you are trying to parent and we, I don't have kids, so that was actually a little relief. I didn't have to deal with being, <laughs> deal with kids during the time. I just That's had to, right. I just had to deal with myself. That's, right. That's um, a different kind of tunnel. Yeah, that yeah. man. <laughs> you need a serious headlamp for that one, because right. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so talk about this, because I've heard you talk about the value of bringing things to light. Because I, from what I've heard, in your story in particular, depression that you're walking into this tunnel. But that's typically when the devil starts loading things on you, like mm -hmm. shame and guilt. So talk about this idea of bringing things to light and what that did for you. Yeah. So I feel like Satan works best in the darkness, in mm. the secret. Yeah. And, and when I say darkness, I also, I literally mean darkness, like at night. Because I remember nights feeling like, this was it. Like, yeah. this is the end. Yeah. And when you bring 
when you bring all of this to light and you just, just put it out on the table, it's ugly. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it makes no sense. People might think you're crazy, but you know what? You're not. Right. You're, you're not crazy, okay? You're <laughs> not crazy. You. Yeah. You're not crazy. And you've got to put it out in the light because I feel like then, then you can really start working through it. Yeah. Then you can have these conversations with your spouse or your friends. Like, you got to be vulnerable. You've right. got to let people into your mess yeah. because the more you keep that in, the more toxic it's going to be. And the more mm. that Satan, he's well, going to work in that. Yeah. You know, the lies, all the lies, they're all lies. Everything that, you know, if you're walking through this right now, the things that you hear in your head that like your life isn't worth living, you're a burden, mm. um, your life has no purpose, you're worthless, you're, I mean, all of that. Lies, none of it's truth. None of it is truth. All of that is from Satan. So when you get that out and you put that in the light, it just gives you more power like yeah. to fight those things. Right. All the lies. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So one of the things that you know, you've provided, and if you're on the digital bulletin, we've put a ton of resources on the digital bulletin for you uh, that we don't have time to walk through them, but use that as a resource because if you're in the middle of this, any little thing can help pick your head up above the water. Definitely. You know, anything, any step is one step closer to the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And so go to the digital bulletin, check out some of those resources. Um, but I want us to, because I, I don't want us to miss out on some things here. Okay. There might be people in the room who've been carrying the weight of depression so long that they've had legitimate thoughts that it would be better if I just ended it now. Mm -hmm. Right? People in the room who've even thought through like, okay, this is how I would do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. What would you say to them? Because culture says, yeah, it would be better. Yeah. And yeah. that's a lie. Yeah. So it what is. would you say? It's a lie. Um, one of the things that I try to remember during that time is that it's a bad day. It's not a bad life. Mm. It's not a bad life. And suicide, that is a permanent fix to a temporary problem. Mm. Temporary. You will, you will get to the end of the light. You will. Right. So that's one of the things I try to remind myself. This is a bad day. It's not a bad life. Tomorrow might be a bad day, yeah. but it's still not a bad life. Yeah. Um, another thing, sorry, I just made a couple of notes because I didn't want to forget some of these things because they're important. Um, another thing, you, if you, you know, decide to go through with these plans because of the lies of Satan, yeah. You will never get to celebrate the victory if you rob God of performing a miracle. Right. Like, Why don't how, you say that just one more time so we hear that? <laughs> you will never get to celebrate the victory if you rob God of performing a miracle. That's right. And I feel like truly God performed a miracle in my life yeah. because I didn't see a way out. And yeah, I still got up here and I led worship and it took everything within me to do that. But like you talked about, serving through the pain. Mm -hmm. Like, try to take that attention off of yourself. Yeah. You know, that helps. Um, it, that really does help. And then the other thing that came to me during that time is, what kind of plans must God have for my life, for your life, if Satan is so desperately trying to take you out? That's right. If yeah. he is so desperately trying to convince you that your life is not worth living, what does God have in store for you for his kingdom, like on earth during your life? 
you know? Yeah. And that right there alone, that gave me some power to fight hmm. because I'm like, you know what? I'm not letting, I am not letting Satan win this. That's right. God's got something beautiful in store for me. I just got to get through this and I got to figure out how to glorify him like through this pain. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then one, just one verse that I found a lot of comfort in, and I'm going to share it with you. It's 1 Peter 5.10. It says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, mm. strengthen, and establish you. So we're going to suffer. Yeah. It's going to happen. But he's going to be the one to restore you. You know? Yeah. And yeah. So another journal entry we had talked about. Do we have time to read? Yeah, the... let's do it. Let's, okay. let's hear the other side of this story too. Yeah, so this first journal entry, time, time together. First one was from April. This one is from October. Six months, okay? About six months, give or take. I'll share this one with you guys. I have a new kind of hope that I didn't have before. I remember recently coming to the realization that yes, I am very sick, physically and emotionally, but I feel like Satan has found his stronghold on me. I have no control over my depression or my constant sickness. What a perfect battleground for some serious spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. There were days when I was sure I couldn't go on, days where I was terrified that Satan was going to make me do something I didn't want to do. I didn't want to die, but some days I couldn't figure out how I'd ever get better. Once I acknowledged that this was just as much a spiritual battle as a physical battle, I was empowered by the Holy Spirit to fight a flip switched in my head. It was no longer sulking in my thoughts of doom, but thoughts of identifying the lies Satan wanted me to believe. I spoke out loud to him one day in my bedroom when I was having a breakdown. I told him in the name of Jesus to flee my house and my mind and that he had no place here. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus, for being my strength. I can't wait to hug you one day. And thank you for sparing me from myself. That one gets me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I'm still fighting, but man, am I so much stronger. My faith is growing. My heart is softening. Things I've been praying for for years. It has taken this depression, but it will be worth it in the end. Thank you, Jesus, for being with me, for holding me, for giving me amazing resources. Um, I feel you and know you are near. Help me to draw near. I love you, Lord. There you go. <laughs> so wrap it up for us you know you said you had new hope yeah you were praying he would save you and he did what does this yeah. new perspective on salvation mean yeah so I remember I was laying in bed one night and poor Andrew he I'm a verbal <laughs> processor so it's like God be with him because I repeat things 500 times but I know. hear he's becoming a good listener he is a great listener <laughs> he is a, and and like I will just say he has been like my rock through this mm. so I just got to give there a shout go. out to him like I could not have gotten through this without him and the Lord um but the new I feel like I have a new understanding of salvation because I was laying in bed one night and this this idea just came to me and I remember just crying as I was saying it. I was so blessed growing up. Like I, I grew up in a Christian home. Like I didn't feel like I had like these major struggles. I, you know, was never, like I never really strayed from my faith and then had this big like turnaround. 
I feel like because of this depression, I now, I truly know what it means to be saved mm. because I felt wow. so lost. And there were days where I was like, there is, it cannot get worse. Like it literally could not get any worse the way I was wow. feeling. Yeah. And so now to have like this hope is just, it's unbelievable. And it, it almost makes you thankful um, you know, for the pain, which is really hard to say. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna, as we go through life and right. these kind of struggles, you know, depression, it might be like, it might be your thing. Like this might be what you're gonna struggle with. Um, but really quick, if I got a really quick second, I was just gonna mention about, yeah. um, there's a story in the Bible, Jacob. You guys can read this on your own time. I'm just gonna do this really fast. Um, he had a wrestling match with God, a real wrestling match. <laughs> and he walked away from that with a limp and he limped for the rest of his life. That's right. With depression, we're gonna limp, mm. you know? You, we're, we, can, we can get better, we will get better, but you almost start to become thankful for the limp Right. for the bad days, yeah. because you can say, thank God, this is not my every day anymore. Yeah. Thank you, God, that you, you spared me from that. And mm -hmm. I can do this, I can do this one day. And you know That's what, right. I'm, thank like, I'm thankful for this pain because it, remi it reminds me of how far you brought me yeah. and how you saved me. Yeah, and I love that story because, and we'll end with this, Jacob, the cheater, wrestles with God, and he ends up with a limp, but he also ends up with a new name, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And for, for your story, you were believing these lies about who you were, mm -hmm. and, it was, and it was this idea of like, I'm living a life of ashes. I'm not worth it. I'm this, I'm that. Talk to us about that change for you, a new name, so to speak. Yeah, so I'll, I'll reference that verse if that's okay. So if we can put that up on the screen, the Isaiah 61, one through three, I'm just going to read this and then I'm going to stop on the part that is really important to me. Um, not saying that it's not all important. It is, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from mm -hmm. darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. This is one of my favorite parts right here. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead mm -hmm. of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord, for the display of his splendor. And I had a friend that during this time, her name's Lori, she met up with me and she told me, she was praying, praying that for me, yeah. um, that these ashes would become beauty. Hmm. And, in the, and at the time, I, didn't, I did not see how that was possible. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm gonna make it through this. Yeah. Um, but now, like being here, doing this, being able to talk to y'all about this struggle that I went through, you know, it makes it all worth it. And I feel like 
this is the beauty. Like I'm seeing the beauty yeah. from the ashes. Yeah. So God's gonna take your struggle right now. He's gonna take it and he's gonna make it something absolutely beautiful. That's right. Mm -hmm. He's creator God, but he never stops recreating. Yeah. He takes our pain. He doesn't waste it. Nope. So let me do this. We're going to end right now. And Skylar, do you mind just praying for us in particular mm -hmm. for the part of our family here who know exactly what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Let's pray. Lord, we are just so thankful for you. And we are so thankful for the hope that we have in you. Uh, we know that we cannot do this on our own. I've tried. I know we've all tried. It just doesn't work. Lord, I pray. I pray for the people in this room that are going through this depression right now. The people who are struggling with thoughts of suicide. The people in this room that might even have a plan and a day where they're thinking that they're going to take their own life. Lord, be with them. Give them strength, Lord. Give them peace. Give them purpose because they have a purpose. You have plans for us. You have plans for them, not plans to harm them, but plans for good, plans for hope and for a future, Lord. And I just pray that you would empower us to fight, fight these lies of Satan, identify the lies and fight them with your truth, God. I pray as a church that we would be open to this conversation of mental illness, that the stigmas would just disappear, that people would feel like they can truly come as you are. Jesus doesn't want us to come to him all perfect. He came, he came for the sick. Mm -hmm. So Lord, I just pray that you would let us be okay, be okay with that. Like we're not, we're not okay and we need you. We need your grace. Lord, just... Just be with all of us. Be with those who are family members of someone that's struggling with this, God. Give them patience and give them strength to just to know what to say and how to love, you know, help them just love the person who's suffering. But God, I just pray that you give us all purpose. Um, we love you so much. We're so thankful for the work that we know that you're going to do in all of our lives. Mm. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.